Welcome into the Joshua Perry Show. This podcast is, of course, starring former Ohio State linebacker, captain, national champion, and NFL player Joshua Perry. Joshua, it is always nice to talk to you. Welcome in. Always a blast to be here on a Monday. Got some good things to talk about. I'm excited about this show. Absolutely, man. I mean, uh, going back to your chat last week on Bucknuts, um, you were asked a question about, Give me uh, one or two young guys, you know, one of our subscribers asked that you're excited about this year. And you mentioned, uh, we'll start on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Dallas Gantt. Um, Now it's a crowded linebacker situation, but, uh, you know, why are you excited about Dallas Gantt? You know, it is a really crowded situation there at linebacker. Um, And I I said it on the chat. I'm not exactly sure how much rotation he's going to get actually playing linebacker, but he's one of those guys where it could be a situation where he's got to step in for somebody uh, who's tired, has an injury, et cetera, and he could light the thing on fire. I think he's done a great job this spring of developing just mentally understanding the game, getting his comfort level, but also physically his body has changed a ton. You know, he's a guy last year who's like 215, 220, and now he's sitting here close to 235 looking like a man. And so um, just the feedback that I've heard uh, from the coaching staff, from other players, just kind of talking to him as well, um, you know, he he's going to be in a position here to make a little bit of noise if the opportunity comes to him. And, you know, the caveat there, kind of the the operative phrase is if the opportunity comes to him. So I'm just excited to see what he'll be able to do. Uh, I know he'll make noise on special teams, and that always opens up a situation maybe where uh, one of the linebackers isn't playing how well they thought he would. Um, An opportunity for him to step in just based off of how he'll do on teams. But in terms of his defensive play, I think once he gets a shot, he's going to do a fantastic job. We've seen, um, and you and I have talked about this before, especially on the national championship team in 2014, like you and Darren Lee never left the field, basically. And then at middle linebacker, they had a rotation for a lot of the year with Curtis Grant and Raekwon McMillan. Curtis Grant ended up seizing that job by the end of the year, and Raekwon was just barely rotating in. But for a while, it was almost 50-50. Um, is it even feasible that they could li- rotate all three linebacker spots? Sounds like Malik Harris is probably the, the safest bet to, to start. But is that even a possibility that they would rotate all three linebacker spots? You know, it gets a little bit tough having a rotation there, but uh, it's not out of the question with the amount of talent that you have and some of the versatility of these players where, you know, some guys are probably better on rundowns and some guys would be better in passing situations. So I'm sure what will happen is they'll roll out some packages with different personnel groupings. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing actually how all these pieces play together because then you start talking about that bullet position where you've got some guys with some unique skill sets that will be playing there. And does that become sort of a situational thing where, um, you know, you have a different bullet for a different situation? Because he is a guy who's going to be up close to the line of scrimmage. And maybe if you want to give that look where, you know, it's going to be a heavier um, run situation, maybe they've got some heavier personnel in. Do you put a guy who's really played linebacker his whole career there? And then maybe in some of the passing situations where, you know, they've got a tight end who can run a little bit. Do you put the safety guy in there who can cover a little bit better? So, um, just talking about schematically and talking about some of the personnel, you're in a really good position if you're this defensive staff because now you get to really pick and choose how you want to deploy your system, how you want to implement your personnel, and you're able to keep guys got maybe a younger player who feels like he's got the talent to get on the field. If you've got packages and you've got situational defense where you can put guys in, it keeps them happy as well. And looking at the offense, the offensive player, the young offensive player um, that you said you were excited about is Jalen Gill. I think the question was specifically guys who have not really played much, not just young guys, period. Guys that have not really played much. Jalen Gill, of course, redshirted last year, big-time recruit from right here in central Ohio. Um, you know, why are you excited about Jalen Gill? 
just the speed and the versatility that he provides. You know, he's a guy that um, you can use him out of the backfield. He's a guy that you can line him up probably at wide receiver and do a really good job. Uh, so just having that element of a player who you can line up in different slots along the offense is going to be a big deal. And uh, I think, you know, when, when you look at some of the best schematic plays that you've seen at Ohio State in the last seven years since the offense really kind of opened up, it was some of those plays where you had, you know, a Paris Campbell, a Philly Brown who could go into the backfield and, uh, you know, give a little bit of a different look. Um, it was some of the plays where you get a guy, a J.K. Dobbins and Ezekiel Elliott and Mike Weber, um, throw him the ball in space and let him create. And so having a player where you can kind of pick and choose how you line them up again, kind of that personnel versus scheme thing where you can implement some of these people into different situations you can create. I think he's a guy where you can do that. And a question I get a lot is that people are wondering about running back depth. You know, is that a concern? Should it be a concern? You know, I, I like the young guys. I like what I saw out of Crowley and Master Teague. You know, Damari McCall has been banged up, so that's a concern. I guess if J.K. Dobbins stays healthy, I do like the depth. Uh, <laughs> if he gets banged up, I don't know if I love the depth. I mean, I like some of those guys, but, um, man, you'd be talking about a true freshman in Crowley, a redshirt freshman in Master Teague, and then Damari McCall, who just can't seem to stay healthy. Um, are you concerned about running back depth? Well, from the, the folks I've talked to um, – Demario McCall, they'll be waiting on his return. I think that's going to be very welcome because, again, the versatility, not your uh, bigger downhill back, but somebody who's going to be able to catch the ball in space, somebody who's going to be able to scat, um, cut on a dime. That's very good. But Master Teague is a person uh, who I'm hearing has a lot of momentum in terms of just the style of play, the way that he goes to work, um, and the accountability and the trust level that they have for him. And I think that's a big deal. Uh, when you've got a running back, that's a position where you're going to have the ball a lot and you have to be trusted to do the right thing, to be able to make the right decision um, when the play gets a little bit uh, cloudy and don't put the ball on the ground. And that's a huge deal. And so somebody who has gained momentum in terms of uh, how they play again, but just that accountability level, it's going to be big. And then Crowley, like you said, um, you know, it's always tough having a young running back, but the, the good thing about young backs is that they're fresh. And a lot of times, they don't have a ton of fear. You know, they haven't made some of those mistakes that the veterans have made. So they go out there and they play with a little bit of edge. And they don't have some of those bad habits or, you know, uh, some of those tendencies that older running backs tend to have. So uh, just having that amount to change it up a little bit in that running back room is going to be good. But again, um, from who I've spoken to, I don't think there's really a depth issue there. Switching gears, I want to get into uh, what the team is doing now and, and just the importance of Coach Mickey Marotti in general. Um, it's really, I guess, you know, I know the coaches have more, they can spend more time with the players during the offseason than they used to, but still it feels like it's it's Coach Mick's team at this point of the year. Just uh, talk about what uh, the Buckeyes are doing right now and why Coach Mickey Marotti is so good at his craft. You know, it is Coach Mick's team right now. Uh, coaches are out doing their thing. They're recruiting. They're trying to uh, piece together some really good players for future teams, and so – these guys are just they're in the workout phase. And what's great about um, this time of year is you get to dictate the tempo and you get to dictate the intensity of these workouts. And so uh, coming off of spring, you're getting guys back into that workout mode. Um, you know, you're pushing them into the offseason. You're getting them together, which is a really big deal. Um, and, you know, just making sure that guys are ready to perform. Because once summer comes, you're in a mode of a ton of speed work and a ton of weights. And uh, it differs from the winter because in the winter, this is where you get guys strong. You're not necessarily doing as much dedicated speed work. 
although they do a lot of drills where they're running, um, a lot of the focus is building guys' bodies and putting mass on players, where now your focus is how can we get guys ready for the season? Well, number one, you keep them strong, but you hope that their body was together just from what they did in the winter. You have to get them fast. You have to get them ready to run. You have to get that work capacity up in terms of what they do on the field. So um, Coach Mick does as good of a job as anybody who's ever been in the business of making sure that guys are ready to rock and roll. Teams are always in shape. Teams are always fast. They're always strong. And so this is one of those times of the year where it's imperative that guys are ready to come to work because Coach Mick is going to give it to them. And, uh, I mean, he, he just signed a new contract, which is fantastic. Now, I still think – we'll get into the final topic in a minute. But, you know, I still think if – for some reason, Urban comes out of retirement. Coach Mick might follow him to his new school. So that's why I want Urban to stay in retirement. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Coach, he's – I guess he's now the second highest paid coach in the country. I think he should be the highest paid. I think with bonuses, he would get ahead of the Iowa strength and conditioning coach. But uh, just speak about more about why Coach Mick is so good. Yeah, and, you know, I think that Iowa situation, they do have a very good strength coach, so not to disparage anybody, but – you know, you got a little cronyism going on, too, where you got a coach with a lifetime contract. and You know, you got your guys. But, um, you know, Mick, is, he's definitely earned it. And I think um, being propelled by such a great head coach at institutions where you're getting a lot of spotlight obviously helps. But just the knowledge that he brings, the experience that he brings to the game, um, the results that he's been able to provide. And, you know, like I sit here and I speak from experience of the before and after. It's kind of my yearly deal. But he – definitely molded my body from you know soft 17 year old boy from the suburbs into a grown man playing linebacker at Ohio State um coach Mick the other thing that you got to think about too um just the administrative role that he now plays because he's got a lot of oversight and and a lot of control in terms of uh some of the programming going on in the administrative side for um the athletic department too and that's a really big deal and I think that's one of those things that um, obviously as he gained trust and he gained notoriety here, they put him in that role. But now it's even more important because if Urban does come out of retirement, he's got a he's he's got a title and he's got a role where he'll be able to go to another school. If they can't leverage that at a new school, you know, the question is do you really want to leave? Because he's got a really sweet gig, he's in a great place. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But uh, in terms of making what he does for the program. Besides the head coach in running the program, he's probably the most important piece. You've got your head coach, you've got your strength coach, and you've got your ops manager. And those are probably the three most important pieces when you're talking about running a high-powered football program like Ohio State. And by ops manager, I I believe you mean Mark Pantone, right? Well, Mark Pantone, Brian Votolini, those guys and the way that they do it, bringing in the personnel, but also being able to make sure flights are scheduled, hotels are scheduled, classes are going well um all those different things for how the program works the the budget for the food the budget for the equipment all those things are super important so um bringing in the personnel is a really big deal but being able to manage all the behind the scenes is huge yeah pantone is another guy i would really worry about ohio state losing if urban took another job because that's that's urban's boy i mean so is marati but as you as you laid out it might be a little more difficult for another school to hire marati unless they're able to match or top what ohio state's doing plus i know uh, Mick Marotti loves living around here. I believe his daughter goes to Ohio State. So we'll see what happens there. But so that's – we've teased it, Joshua. Let's get into it. Final topic. Um, it seems to be picking up steam just because of what's going on at USC. You have Reggie Bush talking about it. So I'll just throw it out there to you. Do you th- – and this is just your opinion. You're not trying to break news here. Will Urban Meyer coach again? Yeah, I'm not trying to break any bit of news because I don't know anything. But um, 
my opinion, I, I believe in the right situation. He's going to go back and do it. And you look at the kind of man urban is number one, just the intensity and, and just the competitive spirit and nature of his personality. I think it's going to be really hard for him to be on the administrative side, number one. But number two, with his Fox gig, he's going to be so close to programs. And he's going to be talking to these coaches. He's going to be meeting players uh, for his media responsibilities. And so um, it's going to be hard for him to be that close to the game of football without actually being in the game of football. The other thing that you think about is where he's at right now. He's had um, two dream jobs, really, in Florida, winning a couple of titles there and then coming to Ohio State, being an Ohio guy and winning a title here. So uh, he's going to be very selective about what his opportunity is. And to me, it's always felt like Notre Dame was a spot that he's loved that he would love to be able to be a head coach there. But USC, just the, the notoriety there, the type of program it is, the resources, uh, the players that you can recruit, it seems like a fit in the caliber of school for a guy like Urban Meyer. And really what that would do, if he actually did come out of retirement and he went to USC, is that would absolutely shake up what's going on the West Coast. The Pac-12 would be a completely different conference. And he did it here in the Big Ten where um, – you know, we had to figure out how to do the TV thing right because you had programs who were ascending to different levels. You had to figure out how to recruit. You know, it used to be the handshake agreement here in the Big Ten where, hey, if your guy commits, we're not going to come after your guys. And Urban came around and said, I don't give a damn about who's going where. I'm coming after everybody's guys. Um, it just it makes it an, an Urban brought the Big Ten into even a, uh, a higher level than it already was. And he'll do that on the West Coast where those guys have to figure out how to keep pace with urban and recruiting and facilities and the way that he hires and pays his coaches, all of those things, it's going to be a huge deal. And so um, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I'm saying that I would not be surprised if it did happen. And if it does happen, it's going to change the landscape of football on the West coast.